everyone. Can you hear me? Oh, there it is. It's good to see your masks this morning. And uh, it's, it's just a, a blessed time. This morning you made it, even though you lost an hour. So congratulations to that. You should feel good about yourselves with that one. And uh, it, it is a beautiful thing to be in here and to worship and uh, just to experience all of the, the music and um, this morning, I want to continue in our Lenten series as we examine the Psalms. And we have a really beautiful Psalm this morning, but it's going to take us a while to really capture the beauty, I think, of it. But one of the ways I think we can enter into the Psalms is to think about what they actually meant for the people who first had them. And so for a second, one of the dying arts of our time, I think, is if you can imagine, maybe some of you did this more than others or still do this, uh, but imagine if you're going through a record store. And remember when you used to get to go to a record store and you could peruse the records? And one of the things you're doing as you're looking through the different records in a record store is you're thinking through, well, what is my mood? What has my day been like? What has my week been like? What has my year been like? And you're looking for a piece of music that would help you to um, experience whatever mood that you're in. I can remember when my first child was born, I was listening to music like John Coltrane's A Love Supreme, because if you've ever listened to that, it's just about this ecstatic joy, the kind of love and joy that's only made possible when you see your child birth in the world. And the music is there really to drill down on the emotion. So whatever you're going through, whatever mood you're in, then if you can get the right kind of music, it really helps to access and explore that emotion and to help you process that emotion. And so Jesus' songbook was the Psalter. So when he went to these different psalms, they had different moods and they spoke of different experiences and so based on what was going on in Jesus' life, he would have chosen different psalms that fit the occasion. And he would have been taught that by his culture, his um, community that sang these psalms together. And they sought not just to sing them, but because they're worship songs to live them together. And they became anthems like we have listed in our, uh, in our bulletin that anthems move us beyond just a, a, a solo song that we might sing, but they come together for a group, communities singing together, and they represent us. They, they become this song that defines us, and, and we sing it over and over as we hope to live into it. And so as we enter into Psalm 102 this morning, I just want you to have that in your mind, that what this would have meant for Jesus and for the community who are experiencing. Um, before I read Psalm 102, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us here present in this time we have 
together to read your word. And may it speak to us, may it be a living word, may it be a word that teaches and instructs us in the way that you would have us go as your disciples. Lord, as we seek to learn how to live our life in the best way possible, um, may you reveal the wisdom that is in this text, and may it draw us into closer relationship with you. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Psalm 102, we're going to read the whole thing this morning. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly, for my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayers of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Have you ever noticed that prosperity is a really bad teacher? That when things are going well, we don't learn all that much. 
But when things are going wrong, when we hit pain points in our life, they are our greatest teacher that we never wanted to take their class. This is a psalm Walter Brueggemann says of disorientation. Disorientation happens when what we think was going to happen doesn't happen. Anybody can relate to a little disorientation recently in our lives. And over the last few weeks, we've been exploring different psalms of David and the ones that I've got to preach on. We, we looked at uh, David after he had a great moment of failure. And then we looked at David in the latter years of his life as he was passing wisdom on um, to the next generation. And now, scholars would point out that this prayer in Psalm 102 could easily be read and appropriately read as a psalm of somebody in their last days on earth, maybe the last week of their life. And though it is not always fun to have to talk about death, it is definitely the type of guide when we think about death that prepares us for that day. And it also teaches us that life has death as part of its natural cycle of life, disorientation, reorientation, that we all go through, and this is really one of the ways we can describe learning, is to die to an old way and to come into a new way of being. And so it's a guide for our daily life that leads us into that moment we don't want to think about, but eventually we will all face that final week in our lives. And I don't know if you saw all of the imagery or heard all of the imagery within this text, but this is a bold declaration from somebody who is in a difficult situation. As the psalmist takes Yahweh and puts him in the courtroom setting. I don't know if we'd be brave enough to indict Yahweh this is the ultimate, let me talk to the manager. can remember as a young boy, seeing my mom on the phone when she felt like things were not going well with a salesperson or somebody on the insurance, and what would she say? She would say, let me talk to your manager. Things are not going right here, so we're going all the way to the top. This is, let me talk to the cosmic manager. And now, we might not think that this is the nice churchy thing to do, but if you've ever been in a situation where, as it describes in this psalm, this is one who is afflicted. This is one who is getting to become skin and bones and can't keep food down and is in a moment of great pain. That all niceties leave in such a situation. And then it's, let me talk to the manager. Things are not going well. I am in pain. I am disoriented. And we might learn from the psalmist again about 
what it means to lament. Especially in this season, I believe that there's so much to pay attention to, especially if we think that this is a song, right, that we were talking about, that it's given to us so that we can access emotion. You know, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who mourn. He didn't say, when you are in grief and pain, you better keep on moving. Jump out of the emotion. And after the year that we just had, if we say everything's okay, everything's fine, things are getting back to normal, and we don't acknowledge the loss, the pain that we've experienced individually and and corporately, that's called denial. And sometimes we want, when we have somebody we love who's in pain, we want to see them move out of that pain. And so we just say, come on, get over it, move on. But the psalmist is inviting us to linger here, to put music, to put descriptive poetry to our sense of grief and loss, and to sit and be in the emotion. This is a Lenten experience because Lent is really, or historically was created as a time of preparation for those who are becoming baptized for the first time. And because many of us here have been baptized, we know the symbolism of baptism is that when we go down into the water, it's symbolizing our death. Symbolizes death to self. We go down into the baptismal waters in a way we declare our life is over. Our individual life is over and we come out of the water a new creation. And so we spend time learning from those who've made this final journey. We prepare ourselves. We learn how to sacrifice, how to mourn. Because there are things about the way we used to be that maybe we miss or struggle with still, but. We want to understand fully and completely what it means to be able to make this kind of trip, this journey. What a bold thing the psalmist declares. But there is a turn in the text. There's only about two psalms that take us all the way through a lament with no reprisal, but this one has a beautiful conversation and tension within itself. How could in one moment there be this declaration of condemnation of Yahweh, but in the next moment there's this ecstatic praise and this declaration that there is still hope that even though right now the Psalter is a man on a roof lonely like a bird looking over the ruins, he knows within his heart that God is faithful and good and that he will rebuild and restore Zion. And not only that, but he's got plans not just for his generation, but for the generation after and the generation after. And there's this ecstatic worship. 
I don't know if you've ever been with somebody in the last days of their life, but it has this tone and tenor to it. There's a lot of pain normally, lots of physical pain. That's part of it. But for those who sung these songs for a long time, there is this acute perspective The faithfulness of God has carried them to that moment. And they can also praise and thank God for all of the things that he has done, even though they are in the midst of their affliction. That is sacred, hollow ground that I pray I can walk one day. And the preparation for that is what we've been doing in this service and also turning to the Psalter and asking, God, through these words, would you teach me how to look into the darkness? Not to be afraid of the darkness, not to be afraid to bring my true self to the difficult things of life. And the way that we get to do that is because we have a God who's proven himself over and over and over again. And if we're willing to look into the darkness, then we can truly understand just how bright the light of God truly is. You know, there's this little uh, tree in my front yard. We did some construction on our house, and Part of the legal requirements for that construction was that we had to have a tree, (laughs) believe it or not, planted in our front house, in our yard. So out of the blue one day, the the group from the city just comes, plants a tree in our yard, doesn't say hi. It's the tiniest, ugliest little tree you've ever seen. And every day I pass by it and I'm like, what is the point of this tree? But when I drive around and I see all of the magnificent trees, all of the beautiful trees that are, uh, just paint the the ways we drive on the sidewalks, and you look up and they're so regal and wonderful. And to invest in such a little piddly thing, all the way to bring into this regal beauty, is the type of investment that lasts beyond one generation, right? And I think one of the things our culture really struggles with right now is to learn how to plant olive trees and to take on this perspective of somebody at the end of their life who can no longer live just for the temporal moment, for the next quick thing that's going to make them happy, but is looking over the span of their life and says, you know what? What's more important than what you can get next temporarily is that you would make an investment here that would last far beyond you and that you would know the God who will last far beyond you and you can lose yourself in the bigness of the one who made the foundations of the earth, holds it all together, and you can trust that he will take you on this journey to and through eternity.
Jesus not only sang these songs of Psalm 102 and other, other psalms, he became the words as he was reduced to skin and bones on Calvary, as he prayed alone in the garden, as the psalmist describes the lone bird or the owl looking on the ruins. He was mocked by his enemies, just like the psalmist. He took on the wrath of God that we deserved, and he paid the price for that just as the psalmist describes experiencing the wrath of God. And because he went on this journey, he became the king of kings. And his death made it possible for that dust, the dust that the psalmist was eating, that the afflicted was eating, to be reoriented and recast and reimagined and He breathed the breath of Zoe life onto the dust and remade all of creation to the benefit of not just this generation, but his generation, but the generation and generation and generation after it. And forever and anon, we receive this beauty, this goodness, that somehow within the psalm is the incarnate Jesus crying out on our behalf. And so may we sing and live in light of this glorious reality, and then may we too become the psalm. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, help us as we sing these songs to know just what they mean As we offer our lives to you, we pray that it would bring you glory. As we sing these songs, would they fill us and would they access the emotion within us that is drawn upward towards you and may we spend some time with you bringing our full and whole selves. We thank you for your word. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Will you stand and we'll sing a song together?